Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host this week, Nick. And I'm Imran. Yeah, two of us over here. We're getting together just minutes after the full time of the Villa Park game. Uh, you know, a game that went much like many of our games have gone this season with a relatively poor first half and coming back in the second half. Uh, we'll cover that game. Also got just touching on the Europa League because uh, we've not recorded since then. And then, yeah, we'll go into all the off-the-pitch issues that are still going on. The last podcast was all about the protests and there's still all sorts of news going on about that. But, yeah, let's start with the game. Uh, Imran, first of three games this week. Uh, first time that we play three matches in this amount of time in the Premier League era. And, in fact, the last time was the last championship season where we kind of threw it away to Leeds right oh, at the end 91. of that year yeah and this is the last time we've played this many games like in a week and it obviously didn't go well last time uh, so obvious good to get off to a good start with uh, three points in the first of three this week yeah no it, I mean I, I feel like I felt like Ollie would go for this one uh, with the the whole three days rest, massive three days rest from uh, Thursday night. But I thought this one would be one Ollie went for. And then I think we'll see some rotation on, um, what, Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday is crazy, this. Honestly, I mean, he Ollie was a bit miffed by it. And I can understand why. Like, three games in six days is, is a bit bonkers, really. Um, you think, like, oh, maybe we've done that around Christmas, but we actually haven't. Usually, there's usually two games in three days, and then you get, a, like, an extra day somewhere else so to have three and six is just it's crazy really but no it's three and five it's three, so and, three five. and five yeah i guess it is yeah yes it yeah. is so one day one day yeah. each side yeah um exactly and he's, he said he'll uh obviously use the squad i'm interested to see what that looks like when ollie uses his squad so that'll be that'll be something new but i think i can imagine the leicester game on uh on tuesdays where we see some rotation but yeah i thought he'd, i thought he'd go for this one and we pretty much did i think the only person who was rested was Cavani, and he had a full full game against Roma. So I can you can see why he'd come out, and obviously 
put him in the second half to grab us a goal, which he did. Uh, then third, very nice goal. So yeah, good win, really. Uh, as you said, followed the standard formula for our away games. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. And, you know, we actually went into this game that after City lost, that we are now got the mo- least losses of anybody in the mm. Premier League at four. Uh, you know, the crazy thing being that there were three like early in the season, that fourth one being Sheffield United and all of them at home. Um you know, there's only been Arsenal in the kind of modern era that have gone a season undefeated away from home. And we were kind of on the way to that. So at halftime, they're talking about all these records falling. But we did the business second half to make sure we've still got that undefeated away record going. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this before, that how can it be like that we have this big difference between the first half and the second half what happens at half time but it's just time and time again it's almost like as if it's a thing now that Ole kind of tells the boys listen don't bother too much first half we're going to sort this out in the second half anyway I mean to be fair we actually started this game a lot better than a lot of our games this season we kind of were at it from the word go and then the first what five ten minutes I thought we were, we were kind of all over them not giving them much time to breathe got a couple of shots away testing Martinez and then then it kind of dropped off a bit and then the game fell into our usual first half pattern uh they're pressing us high up we can't deal with that press I thought we were really poor playing out of the back today actually especially in that first half just looked a bit clueless on the ball in defense and we gave it away cheaply a couple of times and yeah then it just followed that usual pattern they score but I guess I, I mean every time it happens I always go back to the fact that it's a big thing on our mentality that it doesn't seem to phase us at all and we, you know, we just recover from it instantly to the point where now we go a goal behind. Me, you, we're not thinking we're going to lose this game. Probably think, oh, we'll probably win now. Probably, if anything, it's an indication that we're going to win. Whereas previously, you go up goal down, you think, like under Jose, for example, you go to goal down, you think, well, that's it now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now even like I say, the bookies are used to it. I know early in the season, I was immediately going online, throwing bets on his winning and made a few pounds here and there. But nowadays you go online, even when we're one down and the bookies have kind of worked it out that the odds aren't even that great because they're even expecting that we will come back. And, uh, you know, it's almost not worth the gamble. Um, but yeah, look, look at that first goal that we give away. It does come slightly out of the blue. We had had the kind of more play, better chances up to that point. But yeah, whose fault to put this down to? I mean, there was kind of some bit of poor play between McTominay and Fred to lose the ball in the middle. And then it's Lindelof who's getting most of the stick online and all. And I, you know, all season I've said to me that he still, for me, is a weak link in our team. Um, but yeah, whose fault do you put that goal down to? I mean, it is mostly Lindelof. I think Fred and McTominay could do better. Uh, Fred, not the great best ball to McTominay. McTominay, poor touch could just boot it clear your line. sometimes you've got to clear your lines at the end of the day but yeah i think lindelof has to you know just tackle him really or put your foot through it there's no i mean he's trying to i think play a pass to one bissaka but in that situation you never try to play a pass there just get rid or just put a tackle in be strong and it's just a bit weak really and he had a couple of moments like that he had one in the second half where one of their lads got the better of him just being a bit weak um i mean i've, I've i'm i'm not as harsh on lindelof as you are maybe I think he has some uh, good games and some bad ones. And I think this was just one of his bad ones, unfortunately. Um, But there's so many times this season that, you know, goals we've given away that were directly attributable to Lindelof. I mean, he's not a bad player. He still has decent games and, you know, generally he's all right. I'd say like, you know, for me, he's like a six, seven out of 10 uh, most of the time. There's very rarely he'll ever play a game at like eight, nine out of 10. And there's just still, you know, too many times that he is to blame for goals we give away. 
I mean, I'm sure that he has big defenders, to be fair. He's got big fans. So I'm sure if, I, if you say that, I'm sure people will be getting at you saying, well, actually, he's only been at fault for two goals directly or something. Uh, I tend to agree. Well, like, sure he's got, he, he, does, <laughs> he does get, I mean, his faults do get exposed sometimes. Um, today was one. I had kind of always thought we'd go for a centre-back in the summer, but then I've kind of changed my mind on that of the last few weeks, thinking maybe actually he'll look towards defensive midfield and then right wing and how much money do we have to spend, etc. cetera. Uh, but now that actually we're probably not going to buy a striker with Cavani doing so well, maybe he will look at that defence again. It's hard to say, really. I mean, him and Maguire do have a partnership of sorts, but I've, ne- I've never been totally convinced about this defence, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had Baez re-signed, uh, so we'll be staying, and I think some people think that's an indication that we won't be going for another centre-back. For me, it is still an area that we need to improve on uh, if we really want to be challenging for Premier League, Champions Leagues. For me, like I say, Lindelof is still a weak link for me in the team, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens in the summer, where the priorities lie. Uh, we'll find that out soon enough. But yeah, again, like as I said, you know, it's always difficult to explain why we've not been that good in this first half. To be fair, uh, just on that goal, it was an excellent finish as well like you shouldn't be it scoring was, from there was. i mean that was an, a cracking finish so it is a mistake but you like so worldy of a strike usually yeah, that just yeah, goes never never goes in the net and it's not something you really think about again so yeah it shouldn't be at the same time though as a defender you shouldn't you don't even be wanting to be allowed a player to get a shot and strike but it is a damn good strike so a lot of credit uh, to the shot over there from Triore. Um, but yeah, you know, I always like to look down at the stats and try and work out why, what was missing in that first half. And one that stood out to me actually was Pogba. Really did not get involved in that first half at all. Only getting 20 touches, the least of anyone in the team. Uh, you know, normally you have your striker who's getting the least touches today. Rashford's playing up there. And even he'd had more touches than Pogba. Uh, and then if you look like in the second half, Pogba's had like 45 touches, so more than double. Uh, um, so yeah, he looked. He really just didn't get into the game. I don't know whether Villa had purposely targeted keeping him out of the game because he has obviously been a very dangerous player for us recently. But for whatever reason, he wasn't in the game. And then yeah, you see straight at the start of the second half, within minutes, it's actually him getting more involved that turns the game around. It was a weird one though because we were getting in on their left a lot in that first half, but maybe that was more down to Luke Shaw just being Marauder in Troy, just not following him. Because uh, Cash had a handful, but yeah, I guess Pogba. I'm surprised by that stat actually. I thought Pogba had a good game today, and uh, but yeah, maybe he was quiet in the first half, or maybe maybe he just made his touches count. I thought he was decent to be honest. I thought he was like, probably our man of the match really. Um, I thought everything he did was had a lot of quality to it. And actually, I mean, I, I love him on this left wing. I think it's much better for him. And one thing I thought today was when he's on the left wing, he becomes a much better defender. I don't know whether that's because on the left wing, your job as a defender is a lot more simple. Like, you follow your fullback. It's not like when you're in midfield, you might have to pick up this man, you might have to pick up that man. It's a little more intricate. Whereas there, he's just kind of, okay, that's that, that's that fullback. I've got to get back now. And then he kind of gets involved in that defensive side a bit more. I don't know, he seems a bit more willing to do so. I don't know, when the when the burden's not on him to defend, he seems like he becomes more willing to do it. It's very odd. But I th- yeah, I thought he had a very good game again. Um, not just for that penalty win, which was excellent, but yeah, just generally his quality. And maybe yeah, in the second half, he definitely did improve. And I mean, since it shows how integral he is to the side that we improved as a whole when he did, when he got more touches on the ball. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it has been an age-old question about where should Pogba play? I mean, remember, it goes all the way back to Mourinho uh, when he first came in. And there was always discussions about, is he a number 10? Is he attacking midfielder? Should he be back in a can of two? And we still don't necessarily have the answer to that. But I have always been more on the side that Pogba is an attacking player. He's best when he doesn't have that defensive responsibility. And he should just be free to do make the creative side of it. And yeah, score goals as well if he can do. Yeah, and um, I mean, I'm happy with him on the left wing, to be honest with you. I think he should left wing first, attacking midfield second. I guess that problem with that is then you've got Rashford, who is also a great left winger. And then you've got Bruno, who's a great attacking midfield. So, but I mean, that's not a problem, is it? It's your options, isn't it? Maybe next season, we don't have to play Bruno every single second of every game. We don't have to play Rashford every single second of every game because we've got Pogba to get in there as well and play a great role in either of those positions. Um, but I, I love him on this left wing. I think he's great there. He is, and like you say, that is the biggest issue that, you know, it'd been Rashford had been like solid down that left and banging in goals and assists all season. Um, and now where Pogba comes in, we had tried Pogba briefly on the right, mm. but it looks like Ole's not going to do that again. And then he's tried Rashford on the right. He doesn't look that comfortable there. So he's kind of choosing to play him up front instead. Um it's difficult because, again, you know, people as well are saying, look, we want to see Greenwood up front more. But he looks out of the players probably, again, more comfortable on the right. But even though for his long-term development, do we not want to see him up front? Uh, so, yeah, it's a constant kind of issue. And it all stems from the fact that we don't have any natural right-sided player. Mm. You also Another thing to just factor in with Pobre is he does look interested now. And that's another, like, big thing to his game. He is looks really happy, looks like he wants to be here, wants to play, and that, that probably adds to his performance as well. Yeah, definitely. I bet, you know, there still will be question marks over it, uh, contract extensions, and, you know, these are the big things I'm sure will be themes for the rest of the summer about is Cavani staying, is Pogba staying, and what happens with all that side of it. So, yeah, we hopefully can get those, those two things clarified and yeah, tied up quickly. I can't see either of them leaving this summer now. Uh, I thought, like I said, we, I was speaking to Colm on our last, what, not our last show, but our last football-related show, I guess, um, after yeah. the Roma game. But 12 months ago, I thought Bobby was a definite to go. Now, I, doubt, I can't see him leaving. And Cavani looks happy as well. Like, what, nine goals in eight games or whatever it is. Banging him in. 87. 87. Yeah. Banging him in for fun. Can't see him leaving either. So, I mean, that's two two players we should really lock down. But, yeah, I, I can't see either of them leaving. It has been a massive turnaround for Cavani because I think, you know, two months ago, we kind of briefly touched on it when there was these first talks about, you know, maybe he wants to leave. He doesn't want to extend. And I think we all kind of said, well, fair enough. You know, he's not really played enough and he's been good here and there, but we wouldn't begrudge him leaving and maybe we need a more long term option. But now all of a sudden he's playing the best football we've seen from him for us uh you know all through the season you kind of thought look it's going to take him time to get on the right wavelength with the rest of the players and he was injured he had suspensions mm. stop start wasn't it that was the problem like you kind of thought you know it's just we've not seen the best of him it's a shame uh, he'll move on then all of a sudden he's playing regularly he's on everybody's right wavelength and yeah you see that what kind of quality player he actually is there yeah, you just need, I mean, to be fair to him, like what, he started beginning of the season, hadn't played football for ages, he was always going to be slow to start, then he got injured, then there was suspension. I think, basically, he just needs a run of games to get going. Uh, I think that's what we have to, I mean, he is, what, 35, so it's to be expected, really. I think if he does get a knock or injured again, we can maybe expect another, maybe take him two or three games to get up and running again, but once he is, like, he's just fabulous. I'm sure we'll get onto his goal, but yeah. 
fabulous player to have in the squad, isn't it? Well, yeah, totally. And, you know, you do just see the difference from having that proper number nine. Everybody talks about the movement and, you know, one of the best headers of a ball you're going to see for a long, long time. And it does seem that Ole has convinced him to stay. It's not been made official yet, but that's all the talk. Yeah. And, you know, I think Ole's done a good job there because it seems that his mind had been made up to go back to South America. He wanted to be with family. But I think Ole had drifted that kind of carrot in front of him that, listen, do you really want to leave here without playing in front of a full Old Trafford next season? Uh, You know, that's kind of something that, a lot of players do want to experience. And I think that kind of thing is what might have convinced him to stay on. Yeah, that and plus he's playing in the team and scoring goals. When that first news story came out in, what, Jan? He wasn't really playing, wasn't in the team. so And he just had that stupid suspension. So, yeah, I mean, once he's in the team, once he's scoring goals, it's obviously going to change his mind a bit. And, yeah, playing in front of Old Trafford. I mean, personally, I can't wait to go to Old Trafford and give him a big cheer. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, great. We, I mean, we might as well talk about the Roma. He's... The Roma game, his two goals against Roma, both absolutely fantastic, showing great movement. First one, fabulous finish, and the second one, a great header again. A lot like today's goal, actually, to be fair, that second one. But yeah, um, pretty much really only one of the big positives to come out of the Roma game was Cavani. Uh, he loves scoring against Roma. I think he's got like 14 goals against Roma or something over his career, which mm-hmm. is actually crazy. Uh, yeah. I know, quite a few from his Napoli days. Uh, And yeah, as you say, there was a lot of parallels between one of the goals there and the one today uh, that put us safe at kind of 3-1. It was the one in between, of course, with um, Greenwood getting the nice goal over there. A nice assist from Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Oh, People always assist. say <laughs> don't doesn't get enough assists on there. Uh, look, he's done his bit over there. But yeah, it's all about that turn from Greenwood. I don't even you... know if it was that great a turn, to be honest with you. I thought Mings was absolutely terrible. I don't know where Mings was going. He just ran past him pretty much, like just hold him up. I, I thought it was absolutely dreadful from Mings. And I think Martinez, the, the standard of keeper there, so probably be disappointed himself that he didn't keep it out. But yeah, it's, I mean, you can't, Fought Greenwood for any of that, though. He did exactly what he needs to do. Turn and put a great shot in, learn hard. But yeah, I think the defending on that was atrocious. I don't know. I, I seriously don't know where Mings was going or what he was trying to do. I assume he thought uh, Mason was going to turn onto his right foot. Mm. But I yeah, mean, that's a, he's misread it completely. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, gone that's that the, way. That's and the Euros. That's what we've got to look forward to with the Euros, that. Well, yeah, that's the funny thing. You know, they're like, apparently Tyron Mings is. Uh, nailed on to be in the squad whereas Aaron Wan-Bissaka possibly will not be on this plane but definitely yeah won't be on, definitely won't be in the squad well I don't know there's a couple of extra places now so you might still get in there there is absolutely zero chance Aaron Wan-Bissaka makes it to the Euros I will eat my hat if he goes it, there is unless there is a plague and all fullbacks are taken out by actually there is a plague in the world so unless all our fullbacks <laughs> get COVID at the same time there is zero chance that Wan-Bissaka makes it to the Euros Southgate just does not fancy him that's it. That's, yeah. that's all there is. Like, he, I'm not saying he'll never play for England. Maybe after Southgate, someone will fancy him. But Southgate does not fancy Aaron Wan-Bissaka at all. Yeah, I think you're right. He has been in a squad, uh, but he wasn't picked after that. So he got he definitely he pulled seems... out, didn't he? He was in a squad briefly and then pulled out, I think, uh, for some reason or another. So I think that kind of put paid to that as well. But yeah. No, well, we'll see from there. But yeah, look, this has been the great thing kind of in the last few months has been Greenwood and Cavani. Uh, getting their shooting boots in the right place and mm. getting on the goals. Because, you know, we'd said a few months ago how 
we were getting bailed out by Rashford, Bruno, and even the likes of McTominay had scored more than most of our strikers this season. Uh, you know, Martial, we don't really need to talk too much at the moment because he's injured, but none of them, Greenwood, Cavani, Martial had got many goals at all and now all of a sudden they've really clicked in Greenwood and Cavani and it's made the big big difference in this running for us over here and yeah and it's great to see uh, Greenwood as well is he do you think he could make the Euro squad now that's more like there's more chance of that happening but I would say again it's unlikely because just because he hasn't made a squad since that incident in Iceland I find it wouldn't I mean I personally would take him I think um, Neville made a good argument when him and Carrick were talking about squads where if you want someone to get a goal off the bench like not much better than Mason, not many better than Mason Greenwood to do that with the form that he's in as well and the, his adaptability. I don't see it happening. I imagine he'll take Lingard or someone like that in one of those extra places instead. Fair enough, Lingard's been excellent, but um, I mean maybe is all you could say. Maybe, but I mean for us, he's been great. Um, to be fair, he's not, I know he would like Colm has always said he's never been bad this season. Really, just his shooting boots weren't really on. But he was always working hard, getting to the right places, and now he's just, yeah, he's finding the form at the right time for us. Yeah, I think we all kind of expected this to come. Like I said, he had been playing well and just not getting the goals. And now, yeah, those goals are coming, thankfully. And then the only other kind of talking point from today was this late red for Watkins that was a bit random. Um, I don't know, was it, it was for a dive, apparently, wasn't it? Was it a dive. I kind of... It's a weird it seemed one a bit harsh to me, but... It, it's one where the ref could probably just let it go and then everyone will just get on with their lives. But um, he's kind of anticipating the contact. And I mean, you feel like if, you're gonna get, if you think you're going to get kicked in the leg, you might go to... I don't know. I don't know. I think it, harsh, maybe, but then people could say, yeah, he dived, he was anticipating the contact, he went down. Fair enough. Um, a bit harsh, but well done Henderson for pulling his leg away because I generally thought at first it was a penalty. It looked like a stud call penalty. Mm. Uh, so well done Henderson. Oh, we didn't touch on their penalty. That was absolutely the most brain dead thing that I've ever seen. That's, that's a lie, obviously. But I mean, Luis, what the hell was he doing there? Just absolutely mad. I mean, Pogba's going nowhere and just kicked him and he held him up. He held him up well for like five seconds and then just decided to boot him through the back. Mad. And it's not often you see a penalty where. The opposition players, as opposed to appealing against the penalty, were just like, "Oh bloody hell, Louise, what the hell have you done there?" They were more, they were not more annoyed at him than anything else. I think I'm right in saying as well that in our last game against Villa, it was yeah, Louise it was on Pogba. Yeah, it was him on Pogba uh, again. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he'd been remembering maybe he that. He just and... hates City. That's what it is. He hates City. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and of course that was the other thing. If we'd lost this, City would have been confirmed. Uh, so yeah, officially the league title's still on. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, to be honest, it's better to not lose and give it to them that way. Like let them let them win it on their own time. We can just keep all we can do is keep winning. So, well, to be fair though, we have to win two more games for that to happen. Though, don't we? we have to beat Leicester and Liverpool? I don't, I don't see it happening personally. I think we'll draw with one of them at least. Well, this is the thing now. Look, these two games are coming up. Uh, There's going to have to be rotation. Like you say, for me, you know, I've always been massively Ole in, a big fan of Ole, but I have said myself that I think his biggest weakness has been squad management. And it's even just in-game as well. You know, he often leaves subs very late. There's been cup games and things where you really expected a lot of rotation and he still put out very strong teams you know even when we were like 5-1 up against Sociedad and even the other day against Roma I think people thought there might be a bit more rotation but there's been several players who for me have been overplayed this year and it's Maguire 
Wan-Bissaka, Bruno, Rashford. And, you know, you look at the list of kind of people who've played the most minutes in the Premier League. And I think there's like five of our players uh, in the top kind of eight or something of that. And so it's just, it is something to me where they have lacked the rotation. There's a lot of people then I see saying that, look, the, it's because we don't have good enough quality after our first 11 and that, you know, they pointed at things like Roma the other day where at half time he bought on Williams and Tellez and we just looked a bit of a mess after that. Mm. So I don't know. Do you think that it's down to the fact that we're lacking in quality and that the players just aren't there? Or do you think that Ole should have been doing a bit more rotation throughout the season? It's a bit of both, isn't it? I think um, Van der Beek could have played a bit more. Um, Twanzeb, I think, I don't know why Twanzeb is not, ahead of Williams as a right-back option. I think Williams is dreadful. I think he's absolutely dreadful. You know how you uh, had it in for Tyler Blackett? <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think Williams is awful. I think he's an awful footballer. Um, so He's I definitely mean... not progressed this year. I mean, he looked quite exciting last season. And in fact, I saw over on a Red Cafe forum that somebody had bumped the thread where at some point last season, somebody had said that Williams is better than Shaw and should be our first choice left back. And it wasn't a totally ridiculous shout at the time. I think it was just at the time. I think we were playing poorly and he was just showing, trying to be a bit aggressive and a bit of bite and trying to get forward, which I think everyone kind of was liking when our fullbacks, I mean, Shaw wasn't doing much last season and Mamasaka would never get forward. So I think it was just kind of like that that swift change. But when you look at Shaw this season and what he's doing, like compare that to Williams, it's, it's night I know. and day. This season, obviously, so, Shaw has been, you yeah. know, complete rejuvenated. But I think I was just going to say, like, they, to be fair, Tellez probably had one of the worst games of the season against Roma, one of the worst halves of the season against Roma. But in general, I don't think he's a bad player. I think once you play, if you play him with a solid back, with our normal back three, he does much better but yeah i guess it is i mean he doesn't want to take people out you can see why we haven't got the biggest of squads i mean james can come in do all right but then sometimes he can be terrible we've had a lot of injuries so i mean it's hard on ollie i guess i mean we just need to add to that squad depth really and get that squad quality in so we can do those changes we're, we're far far removed from city and pep who can play what a three 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 formation or whatever and change his whole lineup and whatever no, I do think, though, that Ole did have a lot more opportunity, especially earlier in the season as well, to change things. And like you say, players like Van der Beek, Tuanzebe, even like maybe Mata earlier in the year, uh, you know, there was chances to give players rests, to give fringe players more time. And then the problem is when you don't give the likes of Tuanzebe or Williams any game time, then all of a sudden you throw them in cold and they've not played for like mm. more than a month then you can't really expect them to just perform straight away. So it's like a double-edged sword that you say, look, they're not good enough, but then you kind of think that it's confirmed that when they come in and don't have a good game. But if you're not involved for weeks and weeks at a time, and then you're thrown in at half time of a game, it is difficult to come in at that point and perform. You know, Whereas if you play 20 minutes here and there, maybe a late sub in a game that's done, then it kind of you get a bit more of a feel of it and you might slot in a bit better. Um, I mean, I do generally agree with you, though, that I don't think Williams is good enough for us. He's definitely not progressed since those early few games. And I actually, yeah, would say that I don't see why Axel isn't playing right back. There was one or two matches he's he coming, played. Yeah, he's, I, he's not like he hasn't played. He came in, I'm sh pretty sure he played there once as a, off the bench uh, this season yeah, already. Yeah, he played so. at least once and yeah. did pretty well. Did all right, and yeah. never really appeared again there. Um, he should have had a lot more minutes mm. this season for sure. One of the big issues now is that obviously Maguire has gone off injured and 
prior to this game, he was going for the record because he'd had played every minute of every Premier League game. And everybody was saying that, oh, can Ole play him in all these three matches? He, was de- he definitely would. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, he said, I think Ole said like, oh, Maguire's played every minute, but now he might not be able to. And that's unfortunate for him because that's a record he could be proud of. Ole was definitely going to play him for all three. One player, I, I feel like, I feel like Oli probably does have a plan what he's going to do with his squad for the next couple of games. And I do think like people will come out and in. I don't think anyone will start all three apart from Maguire and maybe Aaron Wan-Bissaka. If Maguire's fit, yeah. I'd actually brought him into my fantasy team for this bigger uh, triple game week on that logic that he's the only <laughs> one who might well, actually play all three. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's got injured. Uh, so he definitely won't get that record of playing every Premier League minute this season. I but mean, look, he might still be fit for the next game. Let's see. I'm not yeah. seeing the report of his injury. Uh, well, it looked like a, just a knock, didn't it? Like a, an impact injury rather than like a sprain or a pull or anything. Just because like the, was it Taggart fell into him? So hopefully it's not too bad. Um, I do hope we see some changes for Monday because I really, I would be dreading, I, I mean, I'd, out of Leicester and Liverpool, you obviously want to get a result against Liverpool, even though it actually doesn't matter really. Well, but, that's actually the, I was actually going to ask you that question. Out of these two games. Oh, Liverpool, obviously. But even though Leicester are <laughs> the cares? one who, you know, in theory are the ones well, who can pip us to second place. They can't. We need one more win this season to get second place. That's it. We only need one more. We need three points. I mean, actually today did confirm Champions League football. That was something that happened today with this win. I think yeah. it's guaranteed Champions League football now for next season, which is saying Good something. Like oh, yeah, been... it actually takes a lot of pressure off those games for us now. Well, I mean, what we've been going, I think uh, West Ham, te- technically West Ham uh, could get 12 points and um, finish level goal. with us, but that would be have a massive goal difference swing and we'd have to lose every game. So, But I mean, it's pretty much... Uh, confirmed Champions League football which is you know saying something considering like what we've been going to the wire most seasons now like last season was last day and like every time every time we qualified for the Champions League post Fergie it's been like just by like the skin of our teeth um you know all right there was the one time Mourinho came second but even that was like a late kind of surge to second Mm. it wasn't like this year where we've been pretty solid in second for quite a few months now and even first for a bit of it um but yeah look I do agree with you that it's that Liverpool one that is the big one in these next two plus it puts them out it puts if we beat Liverpool that's pretty much them done for Champions League I think I well, think. Exactly. I mean, it depends. Leicester's Leicester's running's pretty terrible. I think they've. Well, got... they're kind of choking again, aren't they? Yeah. After last season, they fell out of it. They're doing it again. I mean, I couldn't believe that they were like four 0 down to Newcastle. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, I'd loaded my fantasy teams with Leicester players for this double game week, and like they fluffed it completely. Although, yeah, Ianacho did at least get a goal. Um, I mean, he's the danger man to look out for. That's been on ridiculous form, uh, and he scored against us as well, didn't he, mm. in that cup game? So yeah, we'll see. I mean, Leicester will also have one eye on their cup final so I don't know how strong they're going to go I don't know how he's going to play it because you know for them to win a cup final would be massive but the uh, Champions League is in there I mean, as well. I mean there's a bit of a big rest I think watch cup final Saturday this is Tuesday so he's got four days but I mean you'd think they'd have to go for it because they can't really keep affording to lose games and then after this I think they've got Chelsea and Spurs their last two games mm-hmm. so I think they might see a weakened us a weakened us if all their rest players as their best chance and to be honest with you, I would, like if it's a draw or they win, whatever. Like li- beating Liverpool's the main thing. Like, and I I do worry that if we try go for our first team in all three games, we might just be dead on our feet for that Liverpool game, and then they just might overrun us. Yeah, we um, can't go for the first team in every game. There has to be changes. There have to be, you know, the likes of James. Uh, oh, James Tenet. injured, isn't he at the moment? He might be back oh, yeah. apparently. Well, so. 
I mean, all right, then there's matter there. Um, you know, I know we've not seen him for a long months and months and months, but you know, you trust him to play like 60 minutes in a game yeah. somewhere uh, for sure, just to give somebody a rest. And you know, you saw today as well that he took out Greenwood after an hour that he yeah. normally never would do, but no. he's obviously looking towards like the next matches. Uh, you know. Bruno gets a 10-minute rest at the end. Obviously, that buy sub is unplanned, and I'm sure Ole had some other plan in his mind, which he's had to abandon. So there probably was somebody else who was going to get some minutes and rested here. But yeah, let's see how he plays it now between that Leicester and that Liverpool. Uh, as you say, because we're now pretty solid Champions League most of our focus now is all going on that Europa League final. Uh, you know, we still have to finish second and we want to. And as long as we can keep City kind of from the league, the better it is, you know, the, the least the closer we can go. But it is all about that final. So obviously, it's going to be Villarreal. Uh, Arsenal fluff their lines of making it all English finals both times over there. And yeah, it kind of was that good story of Unai Emery as well, going back to get one over and then... Uh, you know, on paper, you'd obviously expect us to win this game, but Unai Emery is the Europa League specialist, having won three of them with Sevilla in the past. That is his absolute speciality. And yeah, for them to get through the final, uh, you know, Arsenal aren't on great form or anything. But yeah, they're not a team to be underestimated. And I'm sure we'll go into more detail about that team and that game as we go nearer the tie. Um I had been thinking of actually going out there for this, you know, I'm so desperate to actually go to a game. There's been 2000 tickets thrown up for United fans, but I was just looking at the absolute palaver that you would have to go through in terms of like PCR COVID tests, quarantines on your way back and things like that. And I don't know, most people I know are saying that maybe it's just way too much headache, but I'm sure there will be a few thousand of our fans will go out there anyway, just for the jolly. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, There'll be 2,000 fans who all want it, I think. I think we'll definitely fill that allocation. No problem. Um, I mean, it'll be a interesting game. We ha- should have the quality to win. It could actually... I can see Villarreal just trying to sit back and frustrate us like they do with Arsenal and could get them some joy, but you'd hope with Cavani, Greenwood and Rashford you have the quality to really take it to him. I mean, it's interesting to wonder who will start that game because one of Greenwood, Cavani, Rashford and Pogba won't start. You'd imagine it won't be Green. You'd be Greenwood who would have to miss out on that final but then probably come off the bench. Um, yeah. I think we have to see, yeah, who's hitting form. You know, I mean, someone still could a be few injured by then. To play be- exactly. There's still a few games to play before. Let's see who's in best form. That is the good thing where there is a real fight for places and there's, you know, some big players are not going to make it. Uh, it would take it from there. Before we move on to talking about off-pitch matters with a lot of things still going on with protests, Glazers, ownership, everything, do just want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Manscaped, uh, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Their new product that you can go and check out is their new, well, on our American stuff, they call it cologne, but I think, yeah, we call it aftershave, right? So they've got their (laughs) new aftershave out over there. Um, The products we've always been pushing is their lawnmower 3.0 and the weed whacker but yeah go and check out their new stuff cruelty free dye free 100% vegan uh, it's not something we've actually had any off yet oh, hopefully yeah shout out, give a poke to manscape to say we need some more product to check out over here because yeah we have always enjoyed the stuff sent out before but yeah if you listen to the podcast i'm sure you know the drill head over to manscape.com you'll get 20% off and free shipping with mm. the code united hour yeah, big um, thank you to anyone who's used that code uh, on their website and ordered some stuff because it does 
go help and support the pod and gives Mans- lets Manscaped know that we're, you know, we're doing our job of plugging them and they're continuing our sponsorship with us, which we really appreciate. So thanks to anyone who's used that code. And if you haven't used it, get on there and do it. Yeah, get over there. Manscaped.com, United Hour. So, yeah, look, I mean, thankfully, we actually had some football to talk about today. Uh, you know, there was the Roma game the other day, but it kind of felt like, you know, almost a dead rubber. Although I mean, it was a good for a dead rubber, it was probably one of the better dead rubbers you'll you'll find. It was a very entertaining game. Well, we did do our best to kind of make that into a game. <laughs> it was interesting. Uh... That second half, I mean, there was a point in that second half just after they scored the second goal, and then De Gea made that save with his legs that he probably knew nothing about, and it just dribbled across the goal. You think, if that had gone in, we'd be in for a bit of a harem scare and ride. But yeah, um, very entertaining game. And f- fair play to Roma for actually coming out of the tri-play. And yeah, and you goals. know, kind of then made sense that Ole did go relatively strong. So it'd be pretty much a lot of people like, why has he gone that strong? But you know, it's not done and dusted. Um, but look, as well as that, there's still obviously a lot of press, a lot of talk about all the things going off the pitch. The last podcast was totally focused on the protests, um, the postponed match with Liverpool, which will now take place on Thursday. I'm seeing, yeah, a lot of people still talking about saying where they're going to come back to protest again for the Thursday night. Liverpool game I would be I would not expect that there will be as many as turned up last time and as well last time you know people showed up at the Lowry Hotel where the players were at the moment obviously the club are keeping things quiet I would not be surprised if there was some different kind of pre-match routine that the players would put somewhere else I've seen pictures today from Old Trafford where they've been putting out a lot more barriers there's a lot more things being put in so they are kind of getting prepared Uh, I mean I know Shane we had on here who was at the protest and he said it was pretty clear that club security and the police and all were woefully unprepared for how many people actually turned up and there was some kind of worries about you know safety and crushes and stuff at the time but, uh, you know, the club are getting now prepared for that. I mean, as I said, I don't think we'll have anything as crazy again. But we have then, of course, had this kind of official response from the Glazers. I mean, on the last show, I read out the letter that had come from the fans forum and it had kind of five points. What are the aims of the kind of protesters and, you know, what the fans are looking to see now? And it was things like, you know, we want some kind of board representation. We want the Glazers to look at selling more shares uh, to commit that any kind of costs coming from the fail Europa League will come out of their pocket. But, well, you know, we had this letter from Joel Glazer. He promised very little. It was a lot of nice flowery words saying kind of the right things, but really there was nothing concrete promised there, no timelines. He said that, you know, by sometime after the season, he will try and come and meet the fans for him and talk to everybody and that, you know, they will commit to helping um, the team and improving the ground. Uh, I mean, yeah, you've not been on the last show talking about all this kind of stuff, so I don't know where you're at on it now. You know, there's some people who feel that the protesters went too far in getting this game called off. There's others who think that they want to get another game called off because it's not enough yet and we need to keep the pressure on. Uh, You know, where are you at on all of this? Uh, I think getting the game called off was... I mean, good thing, yeah. Let's say good thing. I think obviously anything law breaking, not great. Not we're not advocating anyone breaking any laws or damage to property or anything like that. But we often talk about fans trying to implement change and make change in the game. And what a protest! What is a protest usually? A protest is a couple of people before a game holding up a placard or a march. What you march to the game? I mean, you're going to walk to the game anyway. Big whoop, and like it doesn't make an impact. Might grab a couple of headlines, but no one cares. Sometimes you just have to grab a headline. And I mean, postponing United Liverpool 
grabs a headline, it grabs a grabs attention, and it does more than any what march or just a bit of a protest. I mean, who's talking about the what the Chelsea protest, the Arsenal protest? I mean, a bit of talk, but has Cronkid done anything after the Arsenal protest? Don't think so. I think I mean, the only thing Cronkid uh, has committed that any kind of payment yeah. from the fail he will cover. And which apparently, apparently n- rumour is the Glazers have done the same. Um, I guess. I mean, I, we have to we, we we have to be real. We have to be realistic. The Glazers aren't going to sell. That's a that's a realistic thing to acknowledge. They're not going to sell. They we make them money at the end of the day. We're a commodity, and plus, no no one's going to be able to buy us unless we. You know, look to some sort of oil oligarch kind of situation, which I'm not sure anyone even wants. Um, so it's basically just looking to make the situation better from what is already a bad situation. And I mean, you kind of just yeah exhale and you resign to things being a bit crap. But I mean, if the Glazers are paying for the what the fine, then that's something. I mean, for me. What I would really, I mean, my pie in the sky big hope, and obviously, like, you'd hope that we'd sell up, but that's never going to happen. But my, my, my big pie in the sky big hope is the Glazers say, right, we're not going to take any dividends out of the club for however many seasons. I'm going to put it all back into, I mean, just improving the stadium. Honestly, that stadium needs so much improvement done. It's mm. unreal. Mm. And I would just like to see commitments like that, like saying, right, you know what, dividends are being reduced, going down, not ideally not happening. Especially while, if they said, while there's debt on this club, we are not taking any money out, that'd be great. I mean, it's obviously, it's a bad situation that there's debt and that should never happen in the first place, but that's the situation we're in. That's how it happens to be. We can't really do anything about that. So if they came out and said, we'll take no dividends until this debt is paid off, that would be my, like, ideal scenario, really. Because, yeah. and, And just some commitments to putting some money into Old Trafford into the community. I mean, yeah, you they put always put money into transfers, so I mean that will continue, I'd guess. Some can argue they should put in more, which is fine. Um but yeah, I re- I'd really like to see some actual commitment to improving Old Trafford and again just liaising with fans a bit more. At least this Super League shit'll never happen, so that's that's one thing. Yeah, well you say that, but there is still kind of, you know, the likes of Barcelona and yeah. Real Madrid Juventus say they're hanging still... on with a clause. They won't yeah. get, the thing is they won't get anywhere with that. They'll get nowhere with it. So I mean, I kept for in terms of English clubs, I can't see the Super League being a thing for at least what 30 years or probably maybe not even our lifetime now, maybe. I'm not as sure about that, but we have seen now obviously that the Premier League are bringing in kind of new rules to well, that's polish why. Like, yeah, I think I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, a Super League in the guise of that, there may well be a breakaway European tournament to replace the mm. Champions League, but based on merit for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think that is happen. one thing that, that all these happen, people but, have learned that yeah. nobody is going to accept this kind of closed shop model. Uh, I like as I said, the Super League in that form. Yeah, I agree, it won't happen, but. I would not be surprised for this to come back again, uh, you know, with these big clubs and all looking for some different kind of deal out there. I kind of agree with you. Like the focus of this is always kind of glazer out, but unless there's a buyer ready to come in, then it's difficult to see where that goes. And for me, the most important thing about all these protests is about football governance, more safer fans and that kind of message, you know, the messages protect the legacy has been the kind of hashtag Mm. going out there. And 
there is kind of movement, you know, even getting this letter from them is actually a step in the right direction. You know, they've not said much for like years and years and years before. And for them even to start talking about commitments to improve the stadium, like you, I, you know, there has been certain seasons where they've not invested enough in the team, but generally we have spent a lot of money in the squad and not a team. And the problem has actually been more that a lot of it was wasted on the wrong players. You know, the wrong people making the decisions has been the bigger issue than actually how much money has been spent. Uh, but for me, it's the stadium training facilities, yeah. this kind of thing that needs the more investment. And yeah, it's something that they obviously mentioned in the letter there. So they realize that's what the fans are looking for. They've also said that they are going to talk to fans. And we've seen Chelsea have officially announced that there will be, uh, I think, two or three even fan representatives invited into every board meeting going forward here. I mean, there's been quite a lot of cynicism from some I mean, quarters about yeah, this. I mean, you have to be. I, I do understand because they said that these people, they're not going to be part of voting. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to sign non, non-disclosure agreements about what's going on there. But... Uh, I still think that even that is still a move in the right direction. It's sad, really, because like we say, we say something like that, and it's like, well, it's a step in the right direction, and it is. But it's sad that that is what we have to kind of resign ourselves to as fans. That that's our place in life. But I mean, we are the football fan. We take what we can get, I guess, in a world where we don't get much. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a step. Uh, I just thought I did see a stat actually uh, on the stadium thing that Arsenal. Did, when did Arsenal get Emirates? Two thousand. Four? Six or uh, somewhere Four, around somewhere. there. So, mid two thousand, yeah. they have put more money into their stadium, improving it, than we have since the Glaziers took over, which is crazy considering they have a new, brand new stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just stuff like that, really. I mean, really, the Glaziers need to be put in. I just, yeah, I just like to see it do a bit more. And I think if they if they stop taking out dividends, that would go a long way. It wouldn't go, it wouldn't go all the way, but it would go a long way. They won't, they'll never do it though. That's it. I cannot see that move actually happening. And they're obviously not going to leave of their own accord. I mean, yeah, I know there is still part of the protesters that feel that if they keep putting on the pressure, that it might make them leave. And I can actually see the argument because at this time, when the kind of cash flows of the club have been slightly struggling with no match day revenue. It is a time when they are in a weaker position than they've ever been. And, you know, they Mm. obviously have a business model that relies on all this money coming in, whereas the likes of Chelsea, City, who don't have any debt, all right, they're not getting that match day revenue in, but it's not going to kill them. Whereas, you know, to pay off debts and things like that, they do need this money. And we have then also seen you know, bombardment of our new shirt sponsor, Team Viewer, where, you know, you see this thing where they've had all these bad reviews giving them over there. And, you know, I know for sure that they will have been on the phone to our commercial team, whether it's Woodward, Arnold, saying, listen, what is all this? You know, Mm. we're not happy about this. And pressure from that side will be getting to them. The story that came out yesterday that our training kit sponsor, that a deal had apparently been done in principle with this team, My Protein, who are actually a Manchester-based business, who are going to take over from Aon as the training kit sponsor. I think it was a £200 million deal that they've pulled out. That was going to start on July. And because of all the negative publicity, they, they're not going ahead with that. I mean, we'll see whether that's resurrected, whether somebody else comes in. But at the moment, our training kit deal is coming to an end in the summer. So that's apparently open now. So that kind of stuff is going to... training kit for £200 million? They should pull out for bad business, never mind anything else. 
200 million no, for a training kit bloody hell yeah but you know the training kit though that i remember when that chrysler deal was done and everybody said that they missed a big trick because when they're sat in press conferences when there's all these things it is always the training kit that's on True. there you still see aeon all the time yeah, you do. there's a lot of press for it and that's why i said this is a manchester based business all social media in it all those training pictures yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, so nowadays it is a thing. I mean, it's 200 million over like 10 years. So it's like mm. 20 million a year, uh, which, you know, doesn't even buy you half a hard decent player nowadays. But still, it's something that goes in. And, and in fact, that 20 million a year, that is the Glazer dividend. That is how much yeah, they take much every take year. Out, yeah. So it's maybe, yeah, if that deal falls apart, <laughs> maybe, yeah, they should say, all right, maybe, they can, our our, maybe they can sponsor our training kit. <laughs> Um, but yeah. it's hard to see what I like you said I don't think they'll be they can get the numbers for the Leicester or Liverpool games to really do a big protest and get it called off or anything like that just because of you know weeknight people travelled from around the country to the, those protests and plus just up security up police presence probably at both games and then we've only I got I think one... that'll be the big thing that they'll be more prepared yeah. they'll make sure this game happens I mean they still talk and saying that like you know the club having any punishment from this game not having gone ahead is still Premier League are still looking into that apparently uh, we have to wait and see I think the most likely scenario probably is some kind of fine will happen to the club um, but look as I say the general message from me is that look I Glazers out the pressure can still be on I would love there to be some other decent option out there um, you know people often put these polls up saying you know would you rather this or this happen and I say I can't really back saying the Glazers out unless I know who's replacing them yeah uh, exactly you know who is the other option and of course if somebody said that oh we're going to have a fan friendly ownership led by Lord Jim O'Neill who's a lifelong Man United fan I'd say alright great if he's got the money to do it then yeah let's I'm all for it but at the moment there is nothing else on the table whereas you know Arsenal they at least have the Spotify geezer who's turned up and he says I've got the money he's got some other alternative mm, but even uh, that like that's I mean it's funny how the Spotify guy gets painted as road as well I'm sure if you ask a lot of bands a lot of that musical artist they probably have less than say everything to say about that guy so you know yeah, that's true as well. Look, and then at the end of the day, look, anyone who's a billionaire is going to have like pissed off a lot of people somewhere along the line. They're going to be ruthless businessmen. You don't become a billionaire without being that kind of person, basically. And the reality is those are all the kind of people who probably can be our owners. And, you know, there's been links before to Saudi Arabia, the various billionaires in Malaysia or China or whatever. And, uh, you know, we don't know if any of these would be any better options. But that's why for me, the much bigger focus that I want to see is all about fans having more say, there being some restructuring, maybe some kind of new share scheme. You know, as I've mentioned before, I have been a shareholder of the club back when we were a PLC. And it's a shame that at that time we didn't have more fans who were shareholders. It could have actually stopped the Glazers coming in in those days, you know. But I think in those days, people didn't understand that much about finance. They didn't understand maybe the opportunity that had been open to the fans at that time. And we didn't have social media as well to get these messages out there it was quite difficult you know I remember sometimes there used to be people handing out leaflets on a match day uh, but you know that's only going to like a few thousand people whereas now with this social media you see how the fans can get together how can target sponsors and things you know it does actually make a difference you see like the power of the kind of global fan base uh, you know we still have to see long term how much difference does it actually make but yeah, for me, I always like to see things as glass half full, uh, you know, whether it's United on the pitch, off the pitch. 
And I see that even getting this letter from the Glazers, even when we see somebody like Chelsea saying, look, we're going to put a fan in the boardroom, even if it is just PR, even if it is just for show, it's still better than when there was no fan in the boardroom. And hopefully maybe that can move forward that in a couple of years' time, the fan in the boardroom is actually having a vote on matters and not just sitting there and giving their opinion. Uh, so, yeah, as I say, for me, it's all, even if it's baby steps, it is steps in the right direction and it's better than what we had before. And, yeah, and protesters keep your pressure up because we are seeing at least good things coming from this yeah just keep keep going i guess and hopefully we get some positive change yeah i mean i'm so jaded if it's not yeah well there is a lot of cynicism i know there is a huge amount of cynicism out there about what this can do what can fan power do do they actually care and you know i do totally understand that because we know you know you're a season ticket holder so you know there's been big protests in 2005 then there was big protests with the green and gold in the 2010 did we see any change from it? I mean, I would actually say that a lot of people who maybe don't know that much about fan organisations and what happens might not know that for years, the club and the Glazers actually had no communication with any fan groups whatsoever. Mm. And it only changed relatively recently. It was actually one of the positives of when Woodward took over from David Gill, that they did actually restart talking with the likes of Must, the Man United Supporters Trust, and some of the other fan groups. And then they set up this fan forum where, you know, again, do big things come from that? There is a lot of things that come from that from match day. We've seen things like the singing section. We've seen now we're going to be having safe standing coming back. So for people who go to the stadium, there has actually been a lot of improvements. Uh, you know, flags and banners came back around the stadium. And, you know, maybe the global fan base might not realise a lot of these things, but it has ha- actually has been positive moves, at least for matchgoers. And I, for me, somebody who actually sits in that end, it has definitely improved the atmosphere our side. I mean, I know you're being Stretford end all the way along. And, you know, the way the ground is actually set out, I think maybe even when you're in the Stretford end, you don't hear that much no, from the other side. You're all quiet, that's why. Yeah, yeah, well, no, but I can tell you as somebody who's been hardcore east side of the stand for like a long, long time that, yeah, it has improved the atmosphere. And these, yeah, it has been positive moves that have come from the likes of Must getting back in touch and, again, having some say in what's going on. Uh, You know, that's mostly always been around things about the match day experience, about what's going on there. Whereas now we want the team and all club to have more say uh, about what's going on with more things to do with what competitions are we playing in. Uh, You know, we don't think we're ever going to have fans deciding our transfer policy or anything like that, but just big things that are going on in the club. We want to see changes over there. So, yeah, I encourage people to keep that kind of protest messages coming out there because, yeah, it can only help things coming there. But I'm sure these matches will go ahead there. And as you say, we're hoping that Liverpool will be the main one and that we can stop them going into Europe. Uh, I don't think we'll record after Leicester because there's just too many games this week, too much of a turnaround. But yeah, we will come back after that Liverpool game, hopefully with a good result. And yeah, chat a bit more about the last kind of running for the season and everything. Um, Let's see what happens with the protests and off-field things at the same time. And unless you have anything more to add there over Imran, I think, yeah, it's probably the wrap-up for this week. Well, we should just plug our social media as always. Follow us on Twitter, United underscore hour. Follow us on Instagram. David's doing some great work on there. And just uh, obviously you can go on redcafe.net and uh, get in touch with us on there as well. Uh, I personally will be appearing on the Sports Social podcast 
daily, whatever it's called. Sport. I should probably know this. I should probably know what it's called. It's a sports. <laughs> our overlords, sports, sports social, uh, their daily football podcast. I'll be appearing on that tomorrow. Probably talking about Arsenal and their amazing game at West Brom later. Whoa, can't wait. Uh, but yeah, listen to me on that if you want. Uh, if you haven't got enough of me today, which you probably have, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, that's about it from me. No, do go and check that out. As I say, we are now part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, so if you've not gone on to see our new landing page over there, you can you can actually see uh, pictures of myself and Imran if you've ever been wondering uh, whether we have faces for radio or how beautiful we really are. We definitely do. Go, <laughs> go and check it out over there. And yeah, uh, Imran will be making his second appearance on their daily podcast. So it's something to go and have a listen to. And yeah, apart from that, we will check you back after the Liverpool game. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.